This paid program may not represent the views of Hubbard Broadcasting Incorporated or Federal News Network. Statements and opinions of this broadcast are solely those of individual contributors or advertisers as indicated. Federal News Network does not take responsibility for the statements or opinions and accepts no responsibility or liability for any inaccuracy, errors, or omissions reported during this program. Welcome to Executive Leaders Radio. In this hour, you'll hear directly from our region's finest business leaders. Through each of the interviews, these high-achieving leaders become relatable role models who share how they were able to build their enterprise, their personal secrets of success, about leadership styles and opportunities that lie ahead. Prepare to be inspired and entertained and to hear wisdom unheard elsewhere. Executive Leaders Radio. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio, broadcast from the offices of Cressa, your commercial real estate advisors. This is John Schuhart, an executive coach with Greybeard Coaching. My co-hosts today are Haley Morris from Cressa, John Yetman from AEG, Lisa Curtin from Caldwell CPA, and Katie Brewer. Katie, who are our guests today? We have Kenyatta Robinson, President and CEO of Mount Vernon Triangle Community Improvement District, Loretta DeLuca, CEO, Delcor Technology Solutions, Randy Altschuler, CEO of Zometry, and Chris Spanos, co-founder and CEO of Urgently. All right, thank you. It is now my pleasure to introduce to you Kenyatta Robinson. Kenyatta, what is the Mount Vernon Triangle Community Improvement District? We're a business improvement district, one of 11 um, so-called bids in the District of Columbia. And how large or how small is uh, the Triangle Community, excuse me, the Mount Vernon Triangle Community Improvement District? Footprint-wise, we're 72 acres, um, so one quarter of 1% of all land area in Washington, D.C. Our staff is comprised of um, three um, full-time staff, um, one consultant, um, seven clean team ambassadors um, who clean the streets and keep the streets safe on a day-to-day basis, and then uh, a lot of outsourced services. Uh, You're the president and CEO there. Uh, How'd you get involved? Um, I was actually at Jones Lang LaSalle at the time, um, where I worked in their public institutions group um, downtown on K Street. And I happened to be reading the Washington Business Journal, and I saw that the Mount Vernon Triangle CID was looking for a new president after the previous president, Claire Alexiak, moved back to Madison, Wisconsin. And so um, I lived in the CID at the time, and I thought, well, let me check and see uh, what this is all about. And a couple of days after my interview, um, they called and offered me the job. Cool. Where'd you grow up? New Orleans. And uh, what about in New Orleans? On the Upper Ninth Ward. Okay. And do uh, you have any brothers or sisters? I do have a younger brother and a younger sister. Okay, and uh, tell us about your parents. Um, my mom, um, she uh, is um, one of, uh, um, let's see, only child, my grandmother. Um, my grandmother moved from uh, Gulfport, Mississippi um, when she was a, a young woman. And um, my father, um, I met my father one time um, growing up in life. So um, by and large, I was uh, raised by a single mom um, until she married when I was two years old. And what did she do? Uh, she worked at um, what was then the U.S. Customs Agency um, that then got folded into the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, she was an administrative officer, um, secretary early in her career, um, rose up the ranks to um, the head of all administrative operations for Homeland Security in the Southeast U.S. Oh, sounds like she set a pretty amazing example for you. Who's got the next question? I have a question for you. So when you were growing up, can you tell me some of the things that you might have done when you were growing up in the Ninth Ward of New Orleans? Yeah, so um, I was very involved in a lot of activities. Um, My mother uh, kept me involved um, um, in things other than academics, which were very important. But I was in Boy Scouts. Um, I also played sports. I played baseball. um, And I um, eventually played football in high school. And then um, I was very involved in our local church in New Orleans as well. Okay. What kind of things did you do with the church? Um, So I was an alkalite. Um, so that was uh, a lot of fun, being able to, to light the candles and, um, and extinguish them at the end of church service. Um, but then also just um, being involved with uh, the youth group there, um, some of the catechism studies, um, and uh, you know, speaking on, on Sundays at church, doing some of our various celebrations. So how does your early experience at church, how does that relate to what you're doing now in the Community Improvement District? Well, um, you know, in church you learn um, a lot about um, service and, um, you know, giving back, um, being part um, of a family um, that does become uh, your family once a week. And so within a community, we try to build community um, among um, folks who come from, you know, all walks of life, whether they work there or live there. Um, And then also just, um, you know, encourage people to give back um, to the neighborhood uh, through the various activities and programs that we put Mm -hmm. on. 
It's a you were in New Orleans when Katrina hit. How did that affect you? I was actually in Ithaca, New York. You were in uh, Ithaca. I was in so, business school. But then you went back to New Orleans and bought houses. Yeah. How so did, how did that all tie in? Yeah. So um, I was in Ithaca, New York, um, my second year of business school. I actually took a week off of business school to be my family um, who's in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, so they weren't in New Orleans when the storm hit. Um, but then we traveled from Jacksonville to New Orleans to basically see um, our home, um, the home that um, I lived in when I was in high school, um, effectively destroyed. Um, you know, the realization that struck when, you know, I saw all of the possessions that we had, the material possessions in our front yard and effectively turned to paper mache was that everyone's okay. All of my family members are still here. These are just things and things can be replaced. Um, and so um, that experience, um, you know, sort of really gave me a different perspective on life and what's important. Um, from there, we rebuilt that house. Um, there were other opportunities to purchase more properties in New Orleans. Um, my mother did um, and how, now has a, you know, pretty nice uh, small portfolio of homes. And I built property in Mid-City New Orleans as well. So in the green room, we spoke um, about some hardships growing up and um, meeting your father once in high school and um, your house being foreclosed on, and a lot of people would go in a different direction. So wondering what um, you can attribute to putting you in the direction that you went in and, and the extracurricular and where you are today. Yeah, sure. So um, the one thing I learned from my mother was resilience. Um, and that is, um, you know, no, no matter what happens in life, you don't look backwards, you look forward, and you maintain a positive outlook. And, you know, through that, you actually learn um, you learn, well, how, what would you do different next time? Um, and, you know, it's never a failure if you don't learn a lesson. And so, um, you know, that aspect of my life, and that's, you know, being resilient and understanding that um, there are opportunities to do better and to do different next time, um, and they'll always be there. That's something I took from that experience. Kenyatta, you said you played football. What position did you play in football? I played a lot of positions um, in football. Um, we were a smaller high school football team, and so – um, at times on offense, I played quarterback or running back or split end, um, defensive back. Um, I was a co-captain of the football team my senior year. And how does that relate to what your role is with the current organization? Yeah, so within your organization, because we are one of the smaller bids in D.C., sometimes I do have to wear a lot of different hats. Um, and, um, you know, at the end of the day, sort of be the, the quarterback of the football team. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes you're a coach. Um, sometimes you roll up your sleeves and you're, you're, you're playing a position. Um, and so just being adaptive and, you know, serving in all of those roles. And I will say, too, that um, we were a smaller football team. We primarily did it for fun. Um, got a chance to play against Peyton Manning twice in high school. Uh, we we uh, graduated the same year. And so um, we were on a, the, the wrong end of that score <laughs> on, on both <laughs> occasions. But that was, that was a fun experience. And, um, you know, you learn even, you know, when you lose, sometimes you win in life. So what's the most gratifying part about uh, running the Mount Vernon Triangle Community Improvement District? Yeah, just being able to see how through um, planning, because everyone sees what's there now, right? The buildings, and um, they think everything happens overnight. But really, the planning for this neighborhood started more than 15 years ago. The bid just celebrated 15 years um, on September 30th. Um, a lot of the buildings that you see today have only been built within the last five, seven, eight years. And so everything starts with proper planning and proper strategy. Um, it also starts with partnership, being able to bring people into a vision um, that started with Mayor Williams, um, and then um, driving um, a, a bunch of actors who may have you know, their own individual interests toward that common vision um, and that, time, that common goal. And then once you begin to see some success, then you begin to market that success, and you start bringing other people into the vision of what you're doing. And before you know it, you put a little bit of gasoline in the engine, and then all of a sudden, um, you know, um, you have what you see today, and that's the manifestation of, of, a, of a vision um, that's now sort of realizes full potential. You mentioned something about a clean team. Uh, what's the clean team? Yeah, so there's seven um, gentlemen uh, who um, are very hard to employ because um, they may have been homeless, they may have been incarcerated, a combination of both. Um, and so um, at the foundation of any community, no one wants to be in a place that doesn't feel clean and it doesn't feel safe. And so when the bid legislation was passed in the 1990s, that was the primary objective, was to get downtown Washington, D.C. to be a place that people felt comfortable going because it was a clean and safe environment to be. And so it started through the Litter Act and just hiring individuals, paying them a living wage so they can afford housing. And so they are the foundation of our business and of our organization. And these are the gentlemen who are out in the street every day keeping the neighborhood clean and safe. 
and we un we understood that you also um, volunteered also to work with the homeless in your community too. Yeah, we, we do. Um, you know, we have um, a number of community outreach um, programs um, through our MVT Groundworks initiative um, to give back um, to those individuals um, who are homeless um, in the community or who may be experiencing um, housing instability. Um, so that kind of relates back to your childhood when you had some housing instability. Yeah, um, you know, it sort of all comes together. Kenyatta, what's your website address? It's mountvernontriangle.org. We've been speaking with Kenyatta Robinson. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com, to learn more about our executive leaders. We'll be back in a moment. This is John Schuhart. Joining us for our business spotlight is Daniel Garay from Caldwell CPA. Daniel, what is Caldwell CPA? Caldwell CPAs is a full services public accounting firm based in Bethesda, Maryland. Uh, we partner with local businesses and business owners, um, provide them um, help with their business services or with the tax needs. What do you do at Caldwell CPA? I'm our communications and data specialist, so I mostly partner with our clients and um, speak to prospects, bring them on board, that sort of thing. What makes Caldwell CPA special? Well, I think Caldwell CPA sort of takes a holistic approach to not only tax planning and preparing tax returns, but also with our in entire suite of services. We basically partner with clients, look at you know what needs they have and how we can best fulfill them. Mm -hmm. So why do you enjoy your work? I really enjoy my work mainly because of the environment. We have a very uh, collegial environment, um, very professional. Um, it's always exciting to come into work and, and learn something new. So what's the coolest thing you've done there? The coolest thing I've done there probably, um, I manage our databases, so learning a lot of different software and, and sort of figuring out how we can best serve our clients and our staff by, by learning these new skills. That's probably the coolest thing that I've done. Mm -hmm. So who's the perfect customer you'd like to work with? The perfect customer is someone who's um, willing to learn. Um, I think of one fellow by the name of Pierre who I assisted with recently. Um, he brought pastries to the office, so that was a big moment for me. Um, it was a good time. Uh -huh. So what is it you're passionate about? I'm passionate about mostly partnering with our clients and explaining to them, you know, how we can best serve their needs. Um, it's always fun to be able to to partner with someone and, and see see how we can help them to achieve their financial goals. Mm -hmm. And what is your website? Our website is CaldwellCPAS.com. Okay, and give me that one more time. CaldwellCPAS.com. This is John Schuhart, and this has been your Business Spotlight. And your name is? Ramon Parker. And Ramon, the name of the organization? Loudon Free Clinic. And you were telling me there's some, something special about the Loudon Free Clinic where every dollar that goes in does something else. What was that all about? Yeah, it does something magical. So for every dollar that's donated to our clinic, we can deliver $8 worth of care. And what kind of clinic is this? Who are, you, who are you helping out? What kind of stuff do you guys do? So we're helping out those who are 18 to 64 who are uninsured and low income, 200% or below the federal poverty level. And give me this thing about the math again. Give me how that works. So essentially, I have a, a staff of 12 individuals and 128 volunteers. So with that kind of payer mix, I'm able to deliver you know, anywhere from $8 uh, in care for our patients. Because you've been able to enroll the support of so many volunteers, you're actually keeping the cost of health care down, and therefore multiplying the dollars. And making one of, it one of the best business investments for private corporations who want to invest. And didn't, ah, interesting. So private businesses and individuals can get involved. And didn't you Absolutely. tell me you had a couple of health care challenges yourself? What were they? I have. I've had four open heart surgeries, and it helps me to understand what patients need. What what are you talking about? What do you mean? So the idea of having been on the table or being a patient, I'm able to take a patient focus in how we deliver care differently than most people would. What did you, what did you learn from those experiences personally? What do you appreciate that most of us don't? I appreciate consistency. Um, I think that a, a staff at the hospital, nurses, providers, mm -hmm. parents, mm -hmm. family, all those people consistently being around me and consistently offering me hope. Uh, I'm so full of it that I have to offer that to the patients and to the staff when I'm working with them. What's the website address for the Loudon Free Clinic? Loudonfreeclinic.org. Let me have that one more time. L-O-U-D-O-U-N freeclinic.org. We've been speaking with your name again? Ramon Parker. And this has been your Business Spotlight. We're back, and you're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, John Schuhart, with my co-host, Haley Morris from Cressa, John Yetman from AEG, Lisa Curtin with Caldwell CPA, and Katie Brewer. It is my pleasure to introduce to you Loretta DeLuca. Loretta, what is Delcor Technology Solutions? Delcor is a technology consulting firm that works exclusively with um, 
associations, trade associations and professional societies. Uh, how large or how small is Delcor? We are 63 people. And what do you do there? I am the CEO. How did you get involved? How did you get to be the CEO? Uh, unintentionally, uh, starting the company right out of college, actually. All right. So that sounds like a great introduction. Where did you grow up? I grew up in uh, Montgomery County, Maryland. And uh, brothers or sisters? One brother, deceased. Okay. You said earlier in the green room you had a happy childhood. What do you think really made it so happy? Just a very positive family atmosphere, uh, allowing me to be to have self-confidence, I think. That was very helpful. Grew up spending my summers in Italy, so I had sort of a double life, getting to know people in a different culture, family and friends over there. So tell us about your parents. Uh, how, how, how come you went back to Italy so much? They immigrated to the United States, to Washington, D.C. in the 50s, and my dad worked for the World Bank primarily after a lot of odd jobs working for a variety of, of embassies when he first came to the country, and that afforded me the opportunity to go back and visit because they went there frequently. So it sounds like a, kind of an interesting immigrant, immigrant story. Uh, what did your mom do? She did a bunch of odd jobs um, while my dad was being a chauffeur initially at the embassies. She would do laundry, she would clean, whatever it took to add some money to the household, but then she was always there for us when, when we came home from school. So your dad, you said your dad worked for the World Bank, but he wasn't one of the uh, vice presidents of the bank or anything. He was one of the people actually doing real work. Is that correct? Exactly. He actually started um, there as a chauffeur, but then moved himself up into the AV department. Okay, so he was really kind of a, a up by your bootstraps immigrant story. Very much so. What did you learn from your parents? Oh, so much. Um, one of the things is money related, not to spend money that you don't have. Um, I mentioned that my dad didn't have a credit card until he was in his 60s, so that really had a huge influence on me. Uh, work hard, and you can get somewhere in life. They certainly did that. Bought their own, bought bought a house, bought cars, etc. So I think you said your dad only he always paid cash for cars. He did. So what did that? What did you learn from that? Well, like I said, um, he was always of the spirit of don't buy things that you can't afford to pay for. Mm -hmm. So that certainly has helped me in my adult life. Loretta, you talked uh, about uh, a letter writing campaign, or that you wrote some letters to companies when you were a child. Tell us about that. Yes, I'd like to f I liked to fashion myself as, a, as an entrepreneur, I guess, at a very early age. So at around, um, I would say around 11 years old, I wrote, uh, I typed letters to companies like L'Oreal, Maybelline, Revlon, and I said to them, Avon does really well selling door to door. I really think you should look into this and I'm the person to help you do that. And um, although nobody took me up on the offer, they did, several of them responded to me so you're doing consulting services from 11 years old on, huh? Apparently so. <laughs> okay. Lisa? Loretta, in the green room, you talked about you had an opportunity that you thought everyone did, which was um, at the end of summer, your family would leave and you would go back to Italy. And in Italy, you had a different culture than you did here in the U.S. You're a very confident woman and quite accomplished. Do you think either experience gave you more confidence in what you do today? Um, well, absolutely. I mean, in Italy... I grew up being able to have a lot of freedom, whereas even, even at my earlier age here, we got to go out and play and not come home till dinner time, et cetera, but that quickly came to an end later on in my early teenage years. But in Italy, it was always like that. We were able to, um, to stay out, to have friends, not worry about things happening to you. So just the, the ability to be around other people in a free environment was really helpful to me growing up. Mm -hmm. Gave me another sense. All right. So what what's the main thing that you bring to your consulting company from Italy? How does that show up? I think the whole concept of family is hugely important in the Italian culture. And our business is very much like a family. I've been told not to say that because there's so much um, fighting in so many families, so it's probably not a great thing to say about your company. It's more like a team, they say, to say that. But in a true sense, we really do um, care about our companies, and 
one of the core values, like uh, like the preeminent core value for us is we have your back. And I think that really says a lot about the inner workings of the company as well as how we relate to our clients. Mm -hmm. And what kind of culture did you bring from the US to your business? I think more of the entrepreneurial spirit. If you work hard, you can, you can do well in life. Um, working hard to do well for the clients we serve, et cetera. Mm. Um, is your positive energy from, would you say it's innate or is it something you learned growing up or a combination? Talk a little bit about that. I think it's a combination of nurture versus nature. I think innately I'm probably positive, but also growing up with a family that, that made you feel good about yourself and never told you that you couldn't succeed at something, I think really has helped. Mm -hmm. What makes you most excited when you get up every morning now? I've been doing this for over 30 years and every day I get up and I think, wow, how lucky I am to be doing this job. It's just my, my personal life and my business life are combined into one at this point. I have lifelong friends that I've made in the space, in the association community, which is very tight knit. And um, that's what makes me excited. Can you tell us a little bit about, um, I understand that you have a daughter from our discussion in the green room and uh, you do something also with your daughter every summer too. Absolutely. My daughter is 22 years old, and we have been to Italy together 21 times, 21 summers. She, she and I speak Italian to each other. She reads, writes, speaks it. So I was so happy to be able to give her that gift, the same one that my parents gave to me. Why was that important to you? It just was such a huge and positive impact on my life to be able to have what I then realized was such a gift that my parents gave me, being able to have friends and family in another country, have the experience of another culture in my life and it has had a huge impact on her also what kind of impact she just appreciates and knows how important it is that she can go to another country and have family and friends there and communicate with them and understand the culture and it's given her such a broad view of what's going on out there so your dad started as a chauffeur your mom did the domestic work at embassies what do they think about uh, you running your own company of 63 employees well, my it's really funny. I was just saying this to the other day at a, at a leadership retreat that I don't even think my parents really understand what I do. Um, I got an award um, a couple of years ago for you know something about the, the top uh, partner in the association community, and they came to that, and it was the first time that they had ever seen me in that kind of an environment. And I and I got up on stage and did a, a speech, and I, and they're sitting at the table, and I still don't think they have a clue as to what I actually do. <laughs> So what really floats your boat now that you've essentially made success in the business world? Being able to, what's been most exciting for me is being able to actually to spend time and be a part of my daughter's life. I, that has been a huge carve out that I've uh, committed to in my life ever since the beginning of when she was first born. So the fact that I'm able to focus on the business but also knowing that I haven't taken anything away from her has been huge for me. So how do, you, uh, how do you pass that or how do you work that into your company? I think we're very cognizant and that about people having a life to lead outside of the business and we value that. And I think that has a lot to do with why people have hung around Delcor for so many years. We've got people who have been there for 25 years, 20 years, 17 years, 15 years, 13 years, and we like to give them a good life work balance. So what do you need to do to balance your life? I think I need to spend a little bit more time focusing on myself, like planning some vacations and downtime. Um, I'm really involved and love what I do, but sometimes I don't think about taking some time for myself, frankly. What's your website address? Delcor.com, D-E-L-C-O-R.com. We've been speaking with Loretta DeLuca. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com, to learn more about our executive leaders. We'll be back in a moment. Want help building your business with help from this show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues. Because our CEOs have been there and done that. They've succeeded in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, 
help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. And your name is? Jeff Lawson. And Jeff, what organization are you with? I'm with Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And what do you guys do? What kind of stuff are you doing that's special? Well, we manage uh, conference centers and hotels, and we're currently managing the National Conference Center in Leesburg, Virginia. National Conference Center. How large or how small is this organization? Um, the conference center itself is 900 rooms in size, 350,000 square feet of meeting space, dining facilities for 850, uh, exercise facility all set on 61 acres of land. Wow, this is a large organization, isn't it? It is, very large. Uh-huh. And what's your role in the organization? I'm the general manager, and I have oversight of the uh, property and all the hospitality services that occur. Well, what's the general manager supposed to do with this large facility? Make sure, I have a, make sure eight executive committee members and a, and a full uh, staff of 210 do their daily jobs. So how many folks do you have running through your halls on a weekly basis or daily basis or annual basis? What's that look like? Well, on a weekly basis on a full house, we'll have uh, 900 per night, um, seven nights, uh, 6,300, which translates to about 20,000 meals a week. Wow. And uh, your job, are you working nine to five or do you end up having to work evenings and early mornings and weekends and stuff like that? No, I'd say I'm always on duty. Uh-huh. Do you, wh- what do you enjoy about your job? Meeting people, working with some of the finest hospitality people in Virginia, which is my team, and meeting our clients because they're wonderful. So you're helping your clients plan their events? Well, we help plan. Uh, they are there for some form of education that goes on at one end of our business. And at the other end of our business, they're there for social catering events, uh, weddings and such. So you're, you're, well you're running a 24 by 7 facility, aren't you? We are. Uh-huh. What's the website address of this organization? Conferencecenter.com. Let me have that again. Conferencecenter.com. And your name again is? Jeff Lawson. And the name of the organization? Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And this has been your Business Spotlight. We're back and you're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, John Schuhart from Graybeard Coaching with my co-host, Haley Morris from Cressa, John Yetman with AEG, Lisa Curtin from Caldwell CPA, and Katie Brewer. It is my pleasure to introduce to you Randy Altschuler. Randy, what is Zometry? Zometry is a platform that connects buyers and sellers of custom manufacturing. And uh, how large or how small is Zometry? We have 300 employees and we're based here in Montgomery County, Maryland. And how did you get involved? I co-founded the company together with Lauren Zurf, and today I'm the chief executive officer. Okay, thank you. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in New York City. Okay, and uh, how many brothers and sisters? I have an older brother. One older brother, okay. And uh, tell us about your parents. So I was brought up by a single mom. Uh, so we were a tight-knit family, uh, raised in Manhattan. So tell us a little bit more about her. So my mom worked uh, in investor relations at a financial services firm. Uh, was a very hands-on mother. We had dinner together every, mo- every night. Uh, she cooked it when she came home from work and was very involved with both my brother and my life. And uh, what'd you get from your mom? Uh, first of all, a hard work ethic. My mom was a, a very uh, hard worker. She was responsible for supporting us financially and emotionally. So she always made sure she was there for us, even though she had a, a rigorous full-time job. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the fact that life can, can throw you some hard balls. And my mother never missed a beat. She had responsibilities. And no matter what, she was going to meet those responsibilities regardless of what obstacles were put in front of her. Okay. Randy, growing up in New York City, you and your younger brother, or older brother, excuse me, um, what kind of things did you guys do as kids? Uh, We we were very focused on academics, uh, very focused on music. uh, So our days were very, you know, filled up with those sort of activities. Okay, what was your first job? Uh, I used to babysit. Okay, how did that work out for you? Uh, I'm no longer a professional babysitter. <laughs> I, I do it now uh, as, a, uh, as a passion because I have three young children, a 12-year-old and a 9-year-old and a 3-year-old. So I'm, I'm still very involved with that. Okay. So, so what you learn from babysitting that shows up today? Um, not much, frankly. No? Okay. <laughs> Nothing that carries over. Huh? All right. That three children are enough, and I have more than enough respect for teachers everywhere. There you go. Okay, thank you. Randy, you were involved in a squeaker running for a congressional seat in New York. Talk about that, what lessons you've learned. Sure. Well, I spent most of my professional career in business, uh, but decided that it would be helpful to try to bring the skills that I had in business to the political arena. And so back in 2010, I ran for Congress. 
uh, it ended up being the closest race in the nation that year, and I was actually ahead um, and came to Washington, D.C. for the orientation for new congresspeople. Unfortunately, uh, about a month later, after the absentee ballots were counted and we spent some time in court, I ended up losing the race. So, um, so I got a small touch of it. But you, did learned it, you told us you learned it learn to trust your gut right yeah I think as a as a business person uh, you know often you you uh, surround yourself if you're if you're smart about it with people who are deep and knowledgeable in their specific areas but you have to know sometimes when even though they he or she may be better at marketing he or she may be better at sales or technology sometimes you as the entrepreneur or as the CEO or as the leader have to trust your own gut and I think in politics particularly when you're new to it, you sometimes give that up to professional consultants. Um, you can see that even when I watch other candidates run, uh, sometimes they don't trust their, their gut, what made them successful, and go with what everybody else says, and you pay for that. Mm -hmm. Where did that uh, passion for politics come from? You know, I think it was instilled in me early on by my mother, uh, the sense that we are responsible not just for ourselves, but for our entire community. Um, and what happens in this country or what happens in this world affects all of us. So it's better to get involved and play a role in it rather than just chattering about what you heard or read. Uh, do something about it. I'm a doer, uh, and um, getting involved with politics is one way you can contribute. There's lots of other ways, too. Where did you first get involved? I got involved in uh, high school. So I, I, as I said, grew up in New York City, and I used to volunteer for local campaigns, uh, handing out leaflets, uh, eventually doing more things. Um, so very involved. Haley? You said you're not afraid of, to fail and you have a confidence about you and wondering if you got that from your mom or if you just got that from your successes and just to talk a little bit about that. You know, I, one of the reasons why I'm not afraid to fail is that I'm fortunate to have so much already. And I think all of us are, particularly here in the United States, uh, we grow up, uh, many of us and not all of us grow up with food, a place to live. Uh, that's not something that is a given around the world. So I always feel fortunate, and even when I fail, so I fail. Uh, I still come home to a beautiful family. I still come home to a place to live. I still have plenty to eat. So that are the basics that all of us need, and with that as my foundation, that gives me the confidence and the courage to go out and try things and often fail. What, what about when you were a young kid? Because um, that outlook obviously has grown as you've gotten older. So were you that way then? Certainly instilled by my mother. You know, she, just, she was going to make it work, and she made it work. Was there one thing that your mother said to you when you were growing up that stays with you today? Because she's such an influence in your life, a positive one, which is great. Uh, no, you know, there's not. Uh, I've, I've had three companies, and, and uh, investors always often ask, you know, what was the aha moment? Uh, there are no aha moments for me. It's about every day. And what I learned from my mother was consistency is what counts. As a, as a father, as a husband, as a business person, as somebody who wants to get involved in the community, it's about what you're doing all the time. And that's what I preach to my, my colleagues as well. It's don't, you know, make it count every day. Uh, save your energy, save your effort so you can be there every day. So what, did, what does your mom think about uh, what you're doing these days? I think my mother has always been my, my greatest uh, cheerleader. Um, and she's always been in incredibly supportive. Uh, and, and despite the fact that we had so, somewhat of a pre precarious position growing up, she w didn't have a job uh, when my father left, and she had to support us, she's surprisingly a uh, risk-taker herself. So uh, you would think that that would teach her to say, hey, Randy, just do the cautious thing, don't go for it. But she encouraged both me and my brother to pursue our passions. Randy, in addition to music, uh, did you play any sports when you were in school? I did. I did. I ran track in high school, and then later in college, I played rugby. I, I was not very good at either one of them, but I enjoyed it, and I, I worked hard at it. So I, I learned failure there pretty quickly. And what did, what did all of that hard work teach you in those sports? Um, that applying your effort is everything, and you don't always have to win. Um, sometimes you're going to lose, but you shouldn't be afraid of that failure. It makes you better, and if, and if you're not trying things that you failed and you aren't trying hard enough. You, you don't want life to be a layup. Sometimes struggle is good. Not always, and you want to make sure you have enough to eat and you want to have a place to live. Those are basic things you need. But failing in other areas in your life is, is okay and, and makes the highs, the wins, so much more special. Mm -hmm. Randy, you talk about failures. You had a great quote in the green room, which was, failures make the successes all that much sweeter. 
Can you expand on that? Absolutely. Particularly as an entrepreneur, your life is filled with ups and downs, and there are some awful days when you blow it for a customer, when you have a bad investor meeting, uh, when something is failing. Uh, and then there are just amazing days when you have a great success with a customer. Somebody sends you a comment and says, I love your company. And when those come in, it's because you worked so hard to earn that because it was hard. That's what's amazing. And that's what, what brings it all to life. Compare being a CEO to being a father. Um, there are some similarities. Both are a lot of work uh, and both require a lot of patience. Uh, but I love to hug and kiss my kids. I wouldn't do that with my employees. Uh. <laughs> That's probably not a bad uh, idea. Um, you know, if you could teach your kids any one lesson, what's it going to be? Do something that's meaningful. Yeah? Tell me more about that. How do you do that? How are you going to do that? I, I think all of us have our own special mission. Not everybody is intended to be a CEO. Not everybody is intended to be... Uh, an athlete, everybody has their own mission. Uh, and I think if you can fulfill that mission, uh, you will find peace with yourself. And I will urge my children not to do what others tell them to do, not to do what is the common accepted knowledge, but to look into their hearts and find what is truly something that, that drives them, something that is fulfilling for them, and to pursue that. Even if there's difficulties, even if it doesn't earn them a lot of money, even if it's not glamorous, that's what's worth it. That's how you find that inner peace. So it goes back to what you said a minute ago. It's trust your gut, huh? Trust your gut. All right. Randy, what is your website? It is zometry.com, X-O-M-E-T-R-Y.com. All right. Give me that one more time. Zometry.com, which is X-O-M-E-T-R-Y.com. All right. We've been speaking with Randy Altshuler. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com, to learn more about our executive leaders. We'll be back in a moment. I'm Tina Leone. I'm the CEO of the Boston Business Improvement District. And what is the Boston Business Improvement District? We work to attract, support, and connect the most compelling, creative, and ambitious minds in our region. Boston is known as an epicenter for research and discovery. Uh, some of the greatest things that are invented, such as the MRI, the barcode, the internet, the first satellite, all were either conceived, funded, or developed by organizations here in Boston. How, how old is this organization? We're just, just shy of six years old. How long have you been there? How long have you been uh, there? Almost six years as well. Did you found this organization? Yes, I, I am the founding CEO. Why did you do that? Well, the, the, the organization actually came about uh, by the commercial property owners in why, Boston. Why, why, why does it turn you on? Why does your gig turn you on? <laughs> people. I mean, we the, the, the ability to connect people and then who knows the next great idea is going to result from that. We have incredible minds in the Washington, D.C. area, and Boston is, as I said, the epicenter for the smartest people in this area. So your job, you're like a master connector. I feel like the mayor of, of Boston, the mayor of innovation, because that's uh -huh. what's happening. So your idea, your, your thought is that in order to create more stuff, in order to launch more businesses, in order to cause more good, it's a matter of connecting exactly. the right people. Exactly. And you like being in the middle of all that I, stuff. Oh, we love it. We love it. And simple things, just connecting people through a events, through art, uh, through a happy hour. Mm -hmm. You don't know what's going to come out of that. Mm -hmm. That's what's exciting. So it's all about the people. And you're the uh, you're the founder of this organization. Is this a nine to five kind of job oh, for you? Oh, hell no. It's a lot longer uh -huh. than that, baby. So do you have to you have to work the weekends and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, sure, sure. Let me have the website address of this sure, organization. Sure, it's balsambid.com. And, and you can download Boston Connect mobile app. Let me have uh, let me have that website address one more balsambid time. Balsambid.com. Uh, it's B-A, give me the spelling on that. B-A-L-L-S-T-O-N-B-I-D.com. Excellent. Your name again is? Tina Leone. And the name of the organization? Is the Balsam Business Improvement District. And this has been your business spotlight back in a moment. And your name is? Chuck Ockeltree. And Chuck, what organization are you with? The National Conference Center and West Belmont Place Event Center. Uh-huh. And what makes this organization special? The National Conference Center was built um, to be the nation's premier uh, meeting and event venue. Um, it's not a traditional hotel. Mm -hmm. So even though we have 900 guest rooms and all the services and amenities of a traditional hotel, mm -hmm. because of our size, mm -hmm. we're able to uh, deliver um, an environment that is very conducive to uh, learning, development. And who are your clients? Our clients are uh, many of the, the corporate 100, corporate 500, as well as uh, because of our location in Leesburg, Virginia, mm -hmm. We do a lot of business with Washington, D.C. Uh, government agencies. Mm -hmm. And what do you like about your job? 
What I like about uh, is we've had the opportunity to bring new leadership to the National Conference Center, blend with the tremendous service team that's built a reputation over the years uh, for great service. And uh, we've had a lot of fun um, helping our clients take advantage of the 65-acre campus. How about you personally? What, what do you enjoy about your job? I enjoy that, that we've uh, had a very, very, very successful turnaround in mm-hmm. uh, the two and a half years, mm-hmm. uh, taking the National Conference Center uh, from where it was in mm-hmm. 2014 with Excellent. the new, new ownership. We've literally doubled the revenue. And what's, so. your, what's your role in the organization again? Uh, my role is Chief Marketing Officer. And what's that mean? It, good question. It means that uh, uh, we're involved with branding, mm-hmm. uh, everything to do with the sales, the marketing, the promotion, and uh, the business development. So you're actually going out there and you're actually involved with helping bring in the clients. Exactly, yes. And I guess the way you're doing that is you're actually talking to a lot of the clients, making sure that you know your services are valuable. We talk to a lot of the clients and we do a lot of uh, events as well. What's the website address of the organization? www.conferencecenter.com. Let me have that one more time www.conferencecenter.com. This has been your business spotlight. Want help building your business with help from this show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money. All the big issues because our CEOs have been there and done that. Succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. Some of the CEOs who have appeared on our shows over the last 10 years may be willing to help you grow Assuming you've ser- you're serious about your success, serious about your own success, because it all starts with the leader. If you're serious about creating your own successful business or truly committed to putting your nose to the grindstone and doing whatever it takes to make your business successful, we may be able to match you with successful CEOs who have created millions of jobs and earned millions of dollars to help you create your success. We've established unique relationships with a unique universe of over 7,000 CEOs who have created substantial wealth for their companies, their teams, and themselves. These women and men get the build in their blood and often continue to start and build businesses even after they've created substantial wealth for themselves because they love the challenge of building a business. Perhaps we can present you and your business to some of these CEOs to gain their interest in helping you. Now email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. To hopefully match you with some of the CEOs we've had on the show for the last 10 years. Mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. We're back and you're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. It's my pleasure to introduce to you Chris Spanos. Chris, what is Urgently? Urgently is a global mobility assistance platform. We have a simple premise. If it moves, it will break and it will need assistance. And we, uh, we started by reinventing roadside assistance, uh, but we built a platform for the future of mobility, which is changing rapidly in front of all of our eyes. All right. How large or small is Urgently? We are uh, about 250 people and over $100 million in revenue. Okay. And what do you do there? I am the CEO and co-founder. All right. And uh, how did you get involved? Uh, in 2013, uh, Uber was changing the culture on-demand economy. And we had a unique opportunity where there was a team, some early technology, some assets around a roadside assistance network, and a very clear problem in the marketplace around terrible roadside assistance, which I think most of us have been victims of. So, All right. Thank you. Uh, where'd you grow up? I grew up uh, in Arlington, Virginia, and Oslo, Norway. All right. Well, that's an unusual uh, combination. How did that come to be? Uh, my father was in the military, and Oslo was his last uh, overseas tour. Okay. So uh, what would you get from your dad? Uh, uh, hard work, uh, a discipline, a quiet commitment um, to, uh, to doing the right thing every day. Mm-hmm. And tell us about your mom. Uh, my mom was in, uh, was in health care, uh, but she also took care of uh, the household, um, took care of us when my father was away, which was quite often. Okay. How many brothers or sisters do you have? I have a younger sister. And um, what was your growing up like? How did you have a, what kind of relationship did you have with your sister? Uh, we had a, a pretty good relationship. We're, we're very different people. Um, 
I was very sort of active and and always out of the house doing doing things so and you obviously were in Oslo together when you when you were part of the family mm -hmm. did she have the same experience you had in Oslo uh, I think we had different experiences uh, Tell again me more. I was always out and active playing sports you know uh, and in growing up in Oslo is wonderful because uh, during the summer the sun never sets so this whole come home when it's dark doesn't happen <laughs> uh, you get and it was a very safe environment and so we were just all over the place and then during the winter it's skiing and skating and, and I had a lot of friends uh, Norwegian friends so in the green room you talked about um, living in Oslo and then living coming back to Arlington Virginia and having to adapt and your appreciation of other cultures how does that translate in your business today well, we do a lot of business um, overseas, outside the U.S., uh, so I'm very comfortable um, being uh, in other countries, other cities, uh, other cultures, and I think that ease uh, translates into um, uh, just making our partners um, in those markets feel comfortable with us. How do you do that in your business with your staff? How does your staff adopt the same feelings that you have about other cultures? Well, we, uh, we, we do a lot of team travel, um, and so I've exposed them. Uh, uh, for those who haven't been overseas or done a lot of it, um, you know, they, they travel with me a lot, and they see how easy it is or how comfortable I am, and, and they get into it pretty, pretty quickly. So, When you were young, uh, you had the entrepreneurial spirit. You did a lot of things, and you talked about knocking on doors as part of the key. Can you expand? Yeah, so uh, you know, I, I mowed lawns, I raked leaves, I, I shoveled snow, um, and I got the, the the work by knocking on people's doors in our neighborhood and asking if they needed assistance, and that's what I did. What did you do differently than all the other kids? Well, first I was I was out knocking on doors, right? <laughs> so you know, you you kind of have to do that, um, and then I I. Um, I had a good reputation of, of doing good work, and so then I, the referrals came in. Uh, mm -hmm. you, you also talked about the fact that you were maybe too successful doing that, and maybe your inventory built up or your backlog yeah. built up. Well, well, there was What'd one. You learn there. Yeah, one snowstorm where I uh, I knocked on too many doors, overpromised, and you know the the day after, you know, when you're showing up at four o'clock in the afternoon and someone expects their walk shoveled in the morning, you, you learn pretty quickly what the market thinks about that. So, so what do you bring from your lawn mowing, leaf raking, snow shoveling self? What shows up today at Urgently? Well, I, I think one, it's it's a um, it's an entrepreneurial spirit. It's an adaptability. Um, it's there's no fear about knocking on a door whether it's a partner or an investor and and I, I got very comfortable um, specifics matter but I got very comfortable with the idea that talk to 20 to get to be prepared for 18 soul-crushing conversations let it roll off your back and um, and you know that I learned that at an early age so okay how, how else does um, the ease at make when you were growing up making friends and moving translate into being a CEO today? Well, I think it, it, it translates in the sense that I can, um, I can make people uh, feel at ease around me, um, whether it's a new employee, whether it's a new partner. Um, and, and I think that is um, helpful because at the end of the day, we're all in these new situations and we want to be, we want to feel at ease quickly. So, um, so I think that helps. Let's talk about the sports that you did. You mentioned skiing. What other sports did you do? I played baseball uh, and I and I played tennis. What position did you play in baseball? I was a pitcher. My I was my father uh, was a catcher uh, in college, and so we played catch. But it was basically me pitching to him. And that's how I learned to pitch. And what are the attributes of a pitcher? Uh, focus. Um, uh, you know, I think one of the things I learned was that you don't always have to throw a strike, right? Uh, you know, you, you in, in the sense of the perfect pitch, sometimes you throw outside the strike zone in order to set up the next pitch or, or whatnot. So it's, there's an intelligence to pitching. It's not just, you know, there's people who throw and there's people who pitch. Kind of related to your earlier comment about you might um, 
get up to bat 20 times, so to speak, and uh, only yeah knock it out of the park a couple. Yeah, well, I mean, you just have to, again, I think it comes down to um, failure, right? Like you, not every pitch has to be a strike, right? You don't have to succeed on every pitch in a sort of a classic way. Okay. You, you said earlier one of the things that was great about living in Norway as a kid was you learned to be comfortable outside the USA. For people who haven't been outside the USA, how does that show up? Um well, I mean, I, I think it, it shows up in, um, I mean, people are, are people uh, everywhere, right? The languages are, are different. The cultures uh, can be very different or, or similar. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's just, uh, I had a, I was blessed with being outside the U.S. to have a very wide open aperture um, for environments, for people, for different situations, mm -hmm. and to not judge and react instantly. John? So I, I read that Urgently was near the top of the Inc. Uh, fastest growing companies list. So how did that happen? Um, well, when you, when you go from, yeah, we were, we were number 12. It was uh, pretty awesome. But when you go from having a, a quarter million in revenue to 31 million in revenue over three years, that kind of helps with it. Yeah. Math. I mean, cause that's how they, it's, it's a math, right? Uh, ranking. So based on revenue growth. But what attributes that you took with you to the business helped you get to that level? Well, uh, our number one focus is um, is customer happiness, right? And uh, we were very fortunate that Mercedes was our first big customer, and we really focused on delivering happiness to them, knowing that if we did that, um, you know, uh, they would bless us in the marketplace, and then others would follow, and then that's what led to the growth. So you mentioned you are one of the co-founders. What do you bring to the table that the others um, don't? Yes, yeah, so there were six co-founders. We all had um, a different backgrounds, set, um, sets of experience. Uh, you know, what I brought was a, a strategy, vision, clarity of vision, uh, the ability to raise money, uh, to articulate our story, um, and then to identify good talent to bring on the team. So what gets you out of bed in the morning? Well, uh, mobility is being transformed, right? Uh, EVs, autonomous vehicles, micromobility, robotic delivery, uh, drones. Um, you know, this is a growing, changing market, and we're, we have a seat at the table. And because we do the assistance piece, um, no one can really take it away from us because we're the unsexy side of this business, but a necessary side. So we have the opportunity to build a multi-billion dollar global business, um, and that's a rare thing, and that's energizing. All right, what's your website address, Chris? GetUrgently.com. Okay, give me that one more time. GetUrgently.com. All right, we've been speaking with Chris Spanos. Katie, who were our guests today? We had Kenyatta Robinson, President and CEO of Mount Vernon Triangle Community Improvement District, Loretta DeLuca, CEO of Delcourse Technology Solutions, Randy Altschewer, CEO of Zometry, and Chris Spanos, co-founder and CEO of Urgently. I'm John Schuhart from Graybeard Coaching, and I want to thank my co-host Haley Morris from Cressa, John Yetman from AEG, Lisa Curtin from Caldwell CPA, and Katie Brewer. Also, I'd like to thank our audience for listening. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a radio show. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com, to learn more about our executive leaders. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to Executive Leaders Radio, the region's premier radio show highlighting local executive leaders. We hope you've enjoyed the show here on 1500 AM. You can learn more about Executive Leaders Radio by visiting executiveleadersradio.com or tune in next time right here on 1500 AM. That's executiveleadersradio.com.